I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to Fourth Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, January 9th for a fantastic episode number 95. And we are, of course, going to start off with Star Wars as per the norm lately, just because we've been getting more news and it is awesome. But first, welcome back, Joe and Vince. How are you boys doing tonight? I'm doing good. You're doing all right. All things considered, yeah. better than expected. Yeah. Better than expected. There you go. That's that's all we care about. And Vince? It's kind of hard to complain. There you go. We really don't care when you do anyway. Honestly, we pretend to care. Well, Joe does. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, that's pretending you've got some work to do. <laughs> All right. So in terms of Star Wars, Joe, you were just ranting and raving this afternoon about how freaking oh awesome God. the Act 2 becomes for the Imperial side. Now, without going oh my- into any actual spoilers, though, what are you okay. referring to? Okay, there is... When a bounty hunter starts their Act 2... There's a moment where you're asked to do something that is a huge, huge callback to the original Star Wars Galaxy uh, crowd. And it was basically it pays homage to something that we used to do in the community back in the day. And I can't I I really wish you guys would catch up because I don't want to ruin it. But it's so unbelievably epic. Now, I don't you guys have never played uh, Star Wars Galaxies, I don't think so really won't mean as much to you. Um, but it really meant a lot to me, like, and to hear that I'm sitting there and I, and I, I get to that point and even some of the names involved, some of the NPC names are character names of players from back in the day. Okay. But this is just there. restricted to galaxies or, or actual lore of uh, star Wars. The, the first name that I've, I've, I've run across on this particular quest was just galaxies, but the fact that they integrated it into it in such a manner is phenomenal to me. Like, I really, like, sat back and I just said, wow. You know, I was worried about how they were going to do it and how they are going to be, you know, how they're going to be received as far as, like, Star Wars Galaxy crowds goes. And this just made me unbelievably happy. Like, it was just one of those things where I saw it and I'm just, like, my heart exploded with gladness. And then I went and shot somebody in the face and things were good. So, I mean, it was just, it was just an unbelievably awesome moment that I did not expect. And that was really what was cool because I did not expect it. Now, you, you did finish Act 1, obviously. So in terms of the storyline for the Bounty Hunter, how did you feel it held up? Like You've been playing a few minor alts, but nothing like that high level. But what have you been, what did you take out of Act 1 for Bounty Hunter? 
It was absolutely well done. Um, the ending for Act One was phenomenal, and it was phenomenal in such a way that I did not expect either. And that's one one of the things that like I really am very happy with the game is I'm getting curveballs, right? I'm getting these things that I just don't expect. I'm getting these things that I had no idea were going to happen, and that's exactly how Act One ended. I did not expect it to end the way it did. So I get to the end of it, and I get the the, the conversation that happens, and I'm just like, wow. That was really, really cool. Okay. See, I've gotten um, very close to the end. and You know what I'm talking about. I won't actually spoil it, but uh, when I was playing with my son, because my son, of course, has the bounty hunter. I have one as well, but when I play with my son, I play the uh, my Imperial agent. My own bounty hunter is a couple, I think literally only two, behind where my son is, which is only two behind the act, end of Act 1. And where you are at that point is... I don't want to say it's epic because it's not really epic, but in the same manner as the smuggler has the basically the the nemesis that you're going after for or after for the longest time. Well, the bounty hunter is the same kind of thing, of course. And so to to get to that point where you get the satisfaction of of being able to go up against this nemesis that has been a thorn in your side or has been a goal for a great many levels, it really has that epic feel to it that it's like yes you're gonna get it you bastard and and it is i i'm surprised at just how much i am enjoying um the bounty hunter line and where it is going because whereas it initially started as just this fun romp kind of thing with the the great hunt it's turning into something that's far more um personal especially if you are allowing your character to become very close with mako so that you both share this 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 need to avenge brayden's death in which case it's it is it becomes something that's very 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 cool now, um, Vince, yours, how close are you to the end of Act 1 on yours now? I got about a uh, planet and a half to go. I, I did all the story stuff on Tatooine. I'm just catching up with a lot of the other stuff. And then I still have whatever the hell's next. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> From Tatooine, you'd be but, going um, to um, Alderaan. Yeah. But uh, I don't have the same like investment in the actual story of the Inquisitor that you guys have with yours. Just because... I mean, it's kind of cut and dry. It's what you'd expect uh, from a Sith quest. Oh, you know, your master doesn't like you. And, you know, of course, you know, no master ever trusts their apprentice fully. And beyond that, it's, you know, kind of, I don't want to say a fetch quest, but it, it's kind of repetitive, at least in Act 1, of your actual goals on each individual planet. That said, the way you're carrying out those tasks is pretty damn entertaining. Um, Narshada was just epic with, you know, forming my own cult. <laughs> and uh, even... <laughs> Even Tatooine was cool getting to, you know, get my new companion finally. And he's just an awesome guy. I absolutely love Andronicos, you know, space pirate for higher awesomeness. Okay. And uh, and so, yeah, you're almost done. And, like, once you get to your legacy, are you actually planning on starting up another character? Or are you still pretty much sticking with uh, with just this one? I still want to stick with the Inquisitor. I mean, I've started up my little trooper just kind of, you know, when I only have an hour or so and just want to goof around for a little while. But uh, I'm going to carry through on the Inquisitor for <laughs> in, until the end before I seriously start playing anything else. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know what? I've been playing my Inquisitor. I started a little baby Inquisitor. She's level 15 now. And I, that's one of the classes that I played up to nearly level 20 on my... Listen, I can hear you replying, Joe. I tell him to stop bouncing around and be quiet. And what does he do? He replies loudly. Jesus, you type loud. Get another keyboard. Uh, no, 
Yeah, it's the keyboard. But anyways, I I had forgotten just how much I love the playstyle of especially a sorcerer, a Sith Inquisitor, and. Like between her and and uh, even though she's DPS spec, she still has some um, some healing abilities that in the early levels when you're putting uh, your points into your both your DPS as well as your heals costing less force, then you can really do fairly well healing actually. And I'm finding that I am surviving crap with chem that I should not be allowed to survive. And and I mean it's the same thing as if you are tank spec or DPS spec with a bounty hunter and have Mako. The only difference being that it's always I mean you want a person healing not an NPC, a companion, because it will make a difference. And Cam and I, dude, we are ripping through freaking elites that are quite a bit higher than us and laughing. It's It's been really, really fun. So we do have actually the patch notes for um, 1.1, which is the first major patch that they are going to be putting out. No specific date on when it's going to be coming out. But some hopefully of the big... Soon. Yeah, hopefully. The big thing, of course, is they're finally putting anti-aliasing in, but they're still not putting high textures in. So it's going to look better, but within reason. So, like, edges will be smoothed out, but it's not like you're going to have your outfits looking as good out of play as they do in... Not out of play, but while you're playing as opposed to in conversations. But that's a big one well, that is going to... Imp- for people with better systems, it's going to make a difference. This is completely unconfirmed. I've just, you know, heard chattering amongst... Uh some of the various communities that I visit that uh, actually if you uninstall and reinstall the game with the newest build, you actually do get higher quality textures, but that's entirely unconfirmed because I'm not re-downloading all that shit. Really? Hell How does that no. make sense though? I don't know. I it, It's something like kind of like how they, the Skyrim had the problem that the textures were there. The software just wasn't loading it properly. Well, actually, you know what? I can tell you point blank. Well, depending on when this is, because... Uh, I heard January 4th. Okay, Anytime yeah. before January 4th, it's not working. But again, purely, purely rumor. I No confirmation from even the people who were talking about it. Oh, huh. I may actually have but to I'm try. But de- I'm definitely keeping my finger on that. Yeah, I'm going to... What I'll do is maybe I'll try to do it on, uh, say, my iMac, because my iMac is not the main rig that I neither myself or my son play the game on. So I don't mind if it's not all there and it just downloads ever so slowly at the freaking trickle of 60K. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I'll be able to confirm um, within reason because there's only so much that that system can do though. But it is worth uh, checking out. Yeah, it, it's it will be nice when we're able to see the game looking as good as conversations because freak, man, those conversations look damn good. Like when you are looking at your outfits and everything mm-hmm. in conversations, it's freaking slick as hell especially once they put in the aa okay so uh, go ahead i said that's kind of what they're talking about how those textures are obviously in the game for the uh yeah the cinematics and cutscenes. so it was kind of like just forcing it to actually recognize them in the regular game yeah the other big thing here too well before we get to the big big thing they are finally fixing kyra so for any of the Jedi Knights who've had a problem with this companion since forever, they're finally fixing it. And that's that's a big one. I mean, the companions mean so much to you in this game that when you get something like this that has been going on this long, yeah, it's about time this gets fixed. 
And then finally, the big one that I think, again, there's a lot of other stuff too. You guys can point out if there's anything that you're particularly interested in, is the new Flashpoint that's coming out for level 50. I mean, there's not that many people at 50 yet. We are far from 50. But the fact that they are already working on level 50 stuff to work on endgame stuff, that is awesome. Because we've already got some endgame stuff, not that much, but compared to a lot of other MMOs when they came out, we've got a decent amount of endgame stuff to do. The fact that they are already adding more, I think that is absolutely fantastic. Me, I'm most excited about them fixing it so that you can actually remove some quests from your damn log. <laughs> yeah, that's another one, yeah. Yeah, that's handy. I've got that one I'm sitting on from Narshada. Yeah, I have... Yeah, same here. It's like the bonus that I just didn't feel like doing, and it's like... Hi, I want to. Get, I can't. I can't get rid of you. Ah, God damn it! <laughs> Anything else in there that you boys are interested in? Personally, the uh, yes. changes they're making to the uh, Jedi Shadow, because all that is uh, tanking stuff that they're working on. Uh, specifically, the um, the uh, the Dark Charge, how they're uh, buffing up the healing from that, because I, I can't confirm how it scales at higher levels, but right now. At level 27, I think, I've got almost 6,000 HP, and when it goes off, it heals me for 17, so it's not terribly effective. (laughs) That's basically when a boss sneezes on you. That's all that's worth. Not even that. You kidding? Um, I'm actually really excited about uh, some of the NPC bug fixes, particularly one that directly affects me currently. Uh, which is the uh, the Jinkalan Kadera's abilities will now t- correctly take into effect whether or not the player is immune from knockbacks. Reason being, uh, I really hate being on my ass for like five minutes at a time. Yeah. Because it's really friggin' annoying. Yeah. One of the things, too, that I was reading on the forums, um, which, oh, man, try to avoid those things. They are as bad as the WoW ones. Unbelievable. Please. But, uh, yeah, one of the things that a lot of people have, and I think justifiably been complaining about, is the amount of knockbacks everywhere. I'm finding there is a ton of knockbacks in this game. And as a caster or as even a um, a sniper, or a gunslinger behind cover, those things. Um, or even if you're just plain taking it, there there are so many knockbacks, it gets very, very annoying and makes it unbearably challenging for your healer then. Okay, so nothing else in there. What else do we have for the Old Republic? Oh yeah, one of the things that we had talked about before too, and I know that I've talked about it on the Droidcast with my son where we were talking about how cool it would be to have other playable classes and whatnot and we finally did actually get them talking about that and they were talking about why there are no Wookiee playable classes and how they were talking about they want to make sure that whatever other class they put in they give as much attention to their um the animations in terms of a lot of the the facial animations as well as the voice acting and everything else and so they want to make sure that they give it as much attention as they have for the um, humanoid races in the game and it would be fairly hard to do that with say in this case a Wookiee kind of thing and the other thing that they were saying of course too is they feel and I disagree with this they feel that most people want to play humanoid races they want to play humanoid humans because they can relate more to it I have a feeling that if Wookiees were in the game that this would not be a problem they I have a feeling that a crap load of people would be more than happy to re-roll as a Wookiee yeah, I have that same feeling. Mm-hmm. Wookiee, Jawa, you know, whatever alien races you can think of. I'm sure there's a, a large uh, large enough section of people that would really, really like that. Well, 
Roger and I confirmed Jawa Inquisitors last week. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. That would be so <laughs> freaking awesome. Something, something, dark side. <laughs> I just think that, again, when you're looking at what... I don't want to say this is an excuse kind of that they're putting out there, but when you're looking at what is already exists in game in terms of uh, of animations that we are seeing from, and we'll use Wookiees as the, as the obvious example. There are quite a few already between Baudar and between the, um, the other big one is the um the grand hunt the great hunt um master the white wookie dude there's already a lot there and then in terms of lip syncing on all that it's not like you're going to use the same voice as what's already there for that playable class so you would use make it so that it use the wookie voice but then which is just garbled but then have the 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 subtitles so it'd be the class that yeah you got to read what it says because it's not he's not going to talk and so it wouldn't be that difficult to put in and then like for the jawas it's even easier <laughs> you don't even have to worry about what their faces look like maybe a few like make the eyes go narrow every once in a while or something to make them look mad or something and then use strictly subtitles and you know what i think that as a whole this is one of those things where people would accept less for a class in terms of character animations or or even outfits that you can wear or things like that would accept less just to be able to do it i would totally rock a jawa but i think i would get really tired of hearing that wookie no way are you serious yeah that's it's (laughs) too much i don't know you anymore i'm sorry i no. i i would be able to listen to that 24 7 wookie and jawa that'd be awesome just run around and Oh, God, a Wookiee bounty hunter with Blizz. Oh, win right there. (laughs) Jesus, people, do it. Okay, the last thing that we were going to talk about for Star Wars was the, uh, a lot of people saw this, of course, they, somebody is marketing a crew skills app. Now, before I give my thoughts on this, I'll let you talk about it, Vince, because you were fairly excited about this. Uh, Interested. I, I haven't, you know taken the plunge myself yet i'm still kind of waiting for other people to give some, some impressions but uh currently it's uh, available for android uh coming to other systems and it's called the companion remote desktop and essentially it's all it it's not official it doesn't tie into the star wars app it's a remote controlled it's a remote desktop app that's built to work with star wars uh so basically it's it's designed to work over a mobile network, so it's not streaming video. Instead, it's uh, just giving you screenshots every couple seconds. So, you know, you click here, screenshot, you click there, screenshot. And it's built to do your automated crafting for when you're supposed to be working. Uh, if it works as advertised, I'd say it's pretty nifty. Um, I'm still kind of waiting for uh, a little more confirmation, though. See, I haven't tried it. I don't have a, a, an Android device that I could test this with. However, this is basically just a VNC. Uh, that's all it mm-hmm. is, an app. And then they give you the instructions on how to set up your router and all that so that you can go directly into your 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 workstation or your gaming laptop or whatever it is that you're using to run on. And then basically that that's it. It's the, That's all it is. So you can do that right now with other applications um, like Splashtop or like iTeleport and things like that, say for iOS. And that's something that I decided, okay, well, I'm going to start testing that and see what it is like for the iPad 
because I will be talking about this on the the next uh, Droidcast. And so I, I haven't tested uh, Splashtop yet, but I, I I own it. I I use it actually quite a bit. Um, but I did test. Um, I teleport for this and. It's basically the same kind of thing. You're, you're anybody who is, especially if you're tech, you're used to VNCing into to machines, and so it's you're setting up uh, your your the old Republic in a windowed mode, very small resolution as well, and then basically you're just bouncing into your system and controlling it from there. The even with the graphic settings dropped quite a bit. It's a slideshow. You're you're not gonna be doing a whole hell of a lot. Actually, when I was doing it, and I was what I was doing is I was practicing. Not practicing. I was I was testing it by going into all of my characters. So I would log in, log out. I'd do all of my my professions and all that. And it was, I don't want to say painfully slow, but there was quite a lag from when you hit N and wait for it to come up. And then send everybody away. So there was that lag that was a pain in the ass. And then, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, I mean, you can keep track of what's going on in, say, your guild chat. Because you can see it. And it comes through at a, at a decent rate. But the problem is, is in replying. And Ian in the chat room can attest to this. Because he was, <laughs> we were trying to hold a conversation. And unfortunately, what happens is that when you're typing sometimes, it is not registering that you're trying to hold a conversation. Because if there's too long a pause, it thinks that you're just hitting that keystroke now. So you may have your... your um, like the, the, the chat option open, channel open, so that you can be typing a message or reply back. But then if you pause a little too long, then it forgets that you're doing that. And then when you hit a, a key, well, it's it's using that key. Say if you're hitting B to write something with a B, all of a sudden your bag's opening up, all this crap, all these windows are opening up. <laughs> and then you got to go back to the chat channel and start again. So there was some gobbledygook that appeared in the chat channel for Guild there when I was trying to talk to, to Ian. But... Uh, but I mean, if you're if you don't have the means, and and again, if you're at work, especially, and you're just kind of VNCing into your home rig so that you can do your professions, then I mean, it's perfect because you're not in a rush or whatever. Whereas if you're at home, well, obviously you can just use your laptop or whatever, unless it's a workstation or a gaming rig that's on another floor and you do want to sit in front of the TV and do it then it's perfect. Like I sat in front of the TV, we were watching a show and I just had my iPad beside me. At one point I got really fed up of using the on-screen keyboard and I just went and got my Apple keyboard and used the Bluetooth so that I could do that. It got better at that point. Ian can attest to that too. But, um, but I mean, if that's all you want out of it, then it's fine. But if you want anything more than that, or if you want it to be more responsive, you're going to be, we're going to have to wait for uh, Bioware to either release the the code so that the API so that other people can make something or if they plan on just hoarding it all to themselves we're going to need to wait for them I beg them I beg them to release the API and do something please I agree I mean, they yeah, do it for I, I, I wasn't Eve. saying I wasn't saying this particular app was the way to go but it shows that there's definitely enough interest in this that if Bioware isn't on board with this concept they need to be because people are just going to find a workaround anyway. Yeah, I can't see that they're going to release the API to let other people do it. That I I the fact that they're holding yeah. off on mods and add-ons and things like that leads me to believe that they're going to be keeping everything about this game very close to heart. And uh and so they're not going to allow you to make money off their game by you creating those 
those apps. But the, the, the thing is, is that they need to get their button gear and get one out because they will make money off of it. There is absolutely, like, even though I've got my laptop, even though I'm at home for crying out loud, <laughs> I would pay for an app so that I could just have my iPad open or my iPhone and just being able to, you know, flick pages between my character companions instead of having to log out, log back in under that character, log out, log back in it's, under the other. Just flip through, send your companions out. It, it's easy for them to do, let's be honest. Uh, God, I can't wait till they do it. It's it's something <laughs> that has been wildly popular in other games such as EVE Online, who has been doing that for a number of years. So it's nothing that we're, it's not like we're asking for the entire world to like, you know, be rebuilt. It's just literally just this one little thing that we, that should be done needs to be done. Yeah. And I really hope that it does at some point. I really, really do. The thing is, is that it's not going to take away from the, um, like subscriptions. It's not going to make it so that people aren't in game as often. No, you won't necessarily have your character in game, but you'll be going potentially you'll be using your account more potentially just to do your professions. And I think that it uh, it will it'll definitely be a money maker for them because it's going to be something we're in like Again, if they sell it for a reasonable amount, and I, I sure shit don't want to see something like WoW where they charge more per month for it. That would be terrible. But if it's just a one-time fee, hire somebody to do the coding, and you'll more than make your money back from it. Okay, moving away from Star Wars now, let's actually talk about some Star Trek. And we haven't talked about this for quite a while. We have but to. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> there was some news that came through about this, and it was fairly interesting. Joe, I'm going to let you take this. There is a new Starship Enterprise, and it is shaped like the fail whale. Go figure. Um <laughs> So Star Trek Online wound up going free-to-play, right? Exciting, right? Not so much. Uh, it's been pretty much lackluster since the announcement. People have been, you know, there, there are some still some diehard holdouts that are still playing the game. I don't know how, but they are. Um, but we started getting to talk about what some of their plans are for the future. Um, they talked about how it was released, um, how it came to the, the current uh, space or the current incarnation of it, and how particularly the story hasn't really been much of a concern for them because they've had other concerns like the fact that they were losing tons of money. Um, but now they're talking about uh, in the next year, we're going to get nine to 12 um, story arc episodic contents. that will be released through the, uh, through their systems into the game world. Um, there was an actual contest uh, hosted by cryptic and CBS uh, to, uh, design the next enterprise and the winning design uh, by a particular gentleman, Adam, uh, I can't pronounce his name. It's like Isle uh, was chosen and sub- subsequently fine tuned by cryptic staff. Um, it was announced last May and it, the enterprise F uh, and most importantly, it's playable class would make its debut during the next featured episode series. Uh, but I haven't seen anything about that yet. And it's kind of, I don't know. I haven't seen any pictures of it, so I don't know if it's good, bad, whatever. Um, Basically, I'm not really buying it. Like, even though it's free to play, and I and like even champions online, I'll occasionally bounce in and have a good time with it. But with this, it's just I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's enough here. Well, there definitely isn't. That's the problem. Like when a lot of the other games are going to free to play model, 
at least they are introducing a lot more content to make up for that because that's where they're planning on making their revenue is in selling content, not just items in the games or character slots or things like that, but also in actual content. We're not seeing this here. When they actually talked to them and asked point blank about content, the game devs were talking their way around it. The executive yeah, it's, producer, it's, it was like... Okay, it's all cloak and shadow. They, they cannot give a straight answer on anything. Well, they point blank said there's not going to be a lot of extra content because content takes a while to do and is expensive. So instead of, like at a point like this when you're going free to play, you really want to be selling that content. That yes, we're going free to play and this is what we got planned. Look at all this content coming down the pipe and it's going to be great here it's like well content is kind of expensive what (laughs) seriously they were saying that there has not been any extra content put in the game now since what is it march i believe i believe it's march they were saying of something like that yeah yeah of 2011 there hasn't been any new content no, put in they have large. been relying on user created content and even then that was broken for three months <laughs> so the what they're relying on was broken they didn't fix it the next friggin day no months later and now they're talking about how again there's there's not any content planned. There was initially it, it, a lot of people were thinking that Cryptic was at least working on some content to be releasing, you know, later on or during a patch or when this occurred. No, it's obvious they weren't doing anything. There, there's so little going on in the game right now that nothing new has been introduced and things are still broken from way back. The Klingons still don't have any content to speak of. This is this was a problem at in freaking beta and it's still there. Still now and not only is it still there now, there's no plans to fix it immediately. Nope, not at all. So like they're having a problem enough of a problem just putting in regular content for everybody else. You know there's not going to be anything put in for the Klingons. So quite frankly, like, how can you expect to make money on a free-to-play model, which can justifiably, we have seen it, can make money? How are you going to expect to make anything from this if you're not putting anything for people to, any reason for them to want to play? I don't think they do expect it. Just say, as a point of reference as to what content can do for a game, if I could have found the time... I would have re-downloaded DC Universe last month just because of the Larflees Christmas event. <laughs> that's what content can do for a game. If you put in something that somebody wants to play, they're going to play it. Well, again, and case... I, all the crap I've said about that game recently, too. Case in point, uh, Joe, I would assume that you didn't get a chance to actually buy the last patch that they put out, out right? No. Yeah, no, same here. Because that was just really, really bad timing on their part. They, they should have known that Star Wars was coming out. They had the dates and they, they knew that there was going to be early access as well. Had it not been for the early access that would have given us an extra week, then yeah, I would have played it. But with the early access, it just made no sense for me to pick up that patch. But I had updated everything. I'd even been bouncing in on my characters. I'd set them all up again after 
because I didn't have all my character slots because of the, the change to the free to play mono. And, uh, and I had every intention of trying it out so that I could be playing, uh, trying out the, the healing in it. It's just that again, it was crappy, crappy timing because star Wars was just right, right around the corner. But yeah, no, it's, it's true. Like the, I, I don't understand how they intend to, to survive, let alone thrive, whether it's free to play or not. We're done, right? Nobody yeah, else has. There's really not much else to say. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I think you're wrapping wait, wait. up pretty good. Epic <laughs> fail. All right, another failed star. Uh, Don't uh, hurt me. What's Don't that? Hurt me. Yes. <laughs> Sci-fi MMO is Multiverse, which is a company that was working on the Firefly and also a, a Buffy, but Firefly MMO has gone under. And however, the source code has been picked up by multiverse foundation which <laughs> i don't know if it's the same group of guys or if they're just not very imaginative with names who knows <laughs> and they're hoping to get firefly the firefly mmo off the ground anyways the only problem actually there's several problems the, these guys aren't actually working they're doing this in their free time this is their their volunteers working on this and hoping that other people will volunteer their time to help that's a big warning flag right there I mean, Christ, the old Republic took how many years and millions of dollars in the backing of EA to get done? And these guys are a bunch of volunteers hoping to get it done. Sheesh. I'm seeing 8-bit here, okay? I'm not seeing much quality. I would play that. And also, the other big thing is there's the issue of have not necessarily having the rights to the IP. I'm going, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> You're working on a freaking MMO for this game and you don't even have the rights ironed out. So potentially they could actually get it done and then find out that, nope, Fox ain't going to allow them to do the game. Well, hell, Fox wouldn't even give the rights back to Joss Whedon. Do you think they're going to give it to some ragtag bag of people making the game? As much as I would absolutely love to have an actual Firefly MMO, it's not going to happen. Now, that said, I'm saying Fox, but I'm not sure whether Fox owns the Fox game owns the rights. rights. Do they own all of them or just the... They own, they own tele- the entire IP rights. Okay. The, way that it was, the way that it was worded in the contract with Joss Whedon and Fox is they own the IP. <laughs> so there you go. I doubt very much this is ever going to see the light of day, which is too bad because... How do you keep hurting me, Firefly? Dude, my my freaking smuggler... <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep going through this. My smuggler is Captain Reynolds. <laughs> the guild title. Our guild is Serenity, all right? And I try to play him as Captain Mal would do things. And that's how much I want this freaking game. I want it so hard, it's unbelievable. So when I read this, it was like, oh, crap. Yes, a little piece of my soul died as well. Okay. I don't have many pieces left. <laughs> You've never, dude. You're Richard from Looking for Group <laughs> with your little <laughs> shovel. <laughs> okay, we got a rumor this week that got a lot of people talking. Joe, you want to cover this one? Oh, yeah. Diablo 3, one yeah. of the games that people have been uh, anticipating for quite a while now, uh, 12 years or so, um, is rapidly coming to the point where it's going to be released sometime soon. Um, thanks to some we'll say leaks, we'll call them leaks, uh, from some personal Twitter accounts of some people that uh, work at Blizzard, um, people have started to suspect that February was going to be the release date. Well, Best Buy got a little bit ahead of themselves here, it looks like, and apparently there is a giant store hanger with a countdown clock <laughs> noting that February 1st is going to be release date. Now, what really oh, got me about February. this... Oh, 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to say. What really got me about this was it was a completely misspelled month. So either the side maker screwed up or Best Buy, somebody did, did it in-house and decided to post it up just for shits and grins because it's definitely not an official Blizzard product. But no, I mean, it, it's one of those things where the rumor mill is flying. It is feverishly flying. Um, and people are really trying so hard to like make this happen. Will it come out in February? We don't know. Um, this also comes after a year, uh, oh, well over a year ago, when we were told that it would come out early in uh, early 2011. Um, didn't happen, so now people are saying early 2012. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if that particular if that potentially happens. Anybody who's gotten to play the beta knows that it is very polished. It is done, uh, at least as far as that one particular level goes, um, or that one particular <laughs> act. But what about the rest of the acts there? You know, there, there's still there's a lot of questions, a lot of information we don't have. So will we get it? Maybe. Will we not get it? More likely. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not saying it won't come out in February, but if it was coming out in three weeks, I have a feeling we would know by now. Definitely. Definitely. The thing that kills me, though, is that that and this is an independent the independent store manager decided. Yeah, I, I see. I'm I'm spelling like they're February. You're qualified to run yeah, a Best you, Buy. Congratulations. You're qualified Fuck to run a Best Buy. I can make signs for them at least. But it kills me that this manager is just deciding that they're gonna put this arbitrary date that they decided, and that's when it's coming out. This is freaking Blizzard, people. <laughs> come on, you're not gonna just put this out and all of a sudden it, nothing's gonna come of it, and you're not not gonna be called on it either. It, this was just absolute stupidity on their part. They're just trying to drum up extra pre-orders, and then when it doesn't come out on February 1st, like, oh, it says release date subject to change. Sorry, but thanks for your money. Yeah. Okay, let's talk some about Amy. Vince, you wanted to talk about this. Oh, yes. Uh, this is a game that I just found out about recently, and uh, it's actually coming out really soon. It, it, the, the game itself comes out on Xbox Live this week, and perhaps PlayStation Network this week. Um, it's a little sketchy. It's complicated. But anyway, the game is titled Amy. And it's developed by a company called Nexus Numerique, uh, which is actually one of the largest indie devs in Europe. But they're really not known that well uh, over here. This is kind of their first really big game. The game uh, takes place in December of 2034 in a small town in Midwest USA. Uh, the setup here is that uh, the slow spread of global warming has caused various natural disasters and diseases to spread pop up worldwide uh you play the main character is a woman named lana and as she's riding a train home a meteorite actually strikes nearby causing massive damage uh dead people everywhere carnage what have you well lana actually survives and she wakes up to find this horror world where the dead or dying from the crash are actually coming back as zombies yes it's a zombie game but i don't care zombies are awesome <laughs> She finds uh, government soldiers sweeping in to wipe out everybody, and she also finds this young eight-year-old autistic girl named Amy. And here's where things get a little interesting. Uh, Lana and Amy do seem to be the only survivors, but not quite. Uh, the injuries that Lana sustained during the crash, she is actually started to turn into a zombie herself. Somehow, we don't quite know yet, obviously this is one of the big mysteries of the game, when she is in contact with Amy, she heals. 
Amy has this bizarre power to heal the zombification, presumably in anybody, but uh, for the purposes of this game, in Lana. And we don't just get uh, – I saw some videos and stuff. It starts off with your normal zombies, but things rapidly degenerate into Silent Hill territory with some of these uh, enemies that they throw at you later on. Uh, I guess more advanced zombies and biological horrors. Uh, if the government's involved, you know something sketchy is up. Uh, probably wasn't a, quote, meteorite. Uh, anyhow. The whole interaction between Lana and Amy is what the game is built around. It's a survival horror game that's built more around stealth than combat. Uh, you have to sneak past your enemies. You can fight a little bit here and there. It showed Lana swinging a pipe. And they even gave a little teaser of Amy using these weird telekinetic abilities in battle. Um, lots of interesting stuff going on with her. But it gets interesting because Lana has to go do just about everything. Amy's a little girl. She can't, you know, run through these zombie infested areas. As soon as Lana leaves Amy's presence, the disease starts taking hold of her again. And she has to either get back to Amy or use various drugs and implements to hold off the infection to, you know, solve the puzzle and move on to the next area. And it's really, really interesting. Um, it, to the point where if you're away from her for too long, you'll die. So there's stealth, there's combat, and the stealth isn't just hiding around corners and hiding in lockers like they showed. Uh, if Lana reaches a certain point of her zombification, as I'm going to call it, she can actually walk past the other zombies no problem. However, if she runs into a soldier at that point, she's going to be shot in the freaking head. So there's this delicate balance between managing Lana's sickness, keeping her close to Amy, keeping her away from Amy pretty pretty cool and you know the two of them obviously have to work together to solve puzzles uh, amy can fit through tri tight crawl spaces they even mentioned you could use amy as bait to draw the zombies away which yeah wow. okay all right i'm awesome. done with that <laughs> and uh, amy she's not just you know this little object you have to drag around uh she can be frightened if, if she sees something you know too terrifying or dead bodies lana will actually have to help her past it you know she's not just you know going to walk through this carnage uh, untouched uh, amy has a lot of emotion that she's really not that uh easily conveyed because of her autism she can't speak she well she can she just doesn't and, and it you have to manage this very fragile little girl in this horrific situation. Uh, one of the things they put into the game is Amy can actually sense the danger from the zombies, uh, her bizarre connection with everything. And when Lana is holding Amy's hand in the game, you actually feel Amy's heartbeat through the vibration oh, in your dude, controller. That is awesome. Yeah. That's freaking as awesome. The danger, awesome. As, as, as the danger grows closer, the heartbeat starts picking up. I, I can't remember the last time a game implemented vibration into the actual gameplay beyond, oh, things are shaking. Uh, it, it's been years since I've seen vibration actually implemented into the gameplay, and I'm really excited to see it here. Yeah, but not just in like implementing something in, but also in a way that is creepy as hell, has a, an yeah. emotional <laughs> impact to it. That is friggin' awesome. Yeah, th this game is... They, they say it's definitely built around these two characters and all the things they're going through, specifically Amy. And I really can't wait to, to see just how well it's translated. Uh, it's, they say it's going to be an episodic release with each episode taking place in a different environment as they keep trying to escape from the situation and of presumably continue to solve the mystery of just what A, what's going on, and B, what does Amy specifically have to do with it? And that's a very interesting story I would like to see. Yeah, definitely. That they is had, very cool. They had cool. me there. Oh, yeah. So, and just on top of that, 
when is this coming out before you keep going? I said it comes out this week on Xbox Live okay. Arcade. The PlayStation Network, um, there's some sort of funkiness with the pricing going on. It's either going to come out this week at $12 or next week at $10. I don't know what they described or decided on. But between this uh, and I Am Alive, which we talked about a few weeks ago, as well as obviously Alan Wake's American Nightmare, 2012 is really going to redefine what people are expecting out of you know their downloadable arcade games. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely phenomenal year for uh, for downloadable games. That goddamn they <laughs> see, I had not read about this. That really is freaking yeah, interesting as all hell. Finding out it's coming out this week, yeah, because uh, the, the reason I was originally uh, made aware of it is because of this weird pricing thing. Uh, since the company is based in Europe, they built their pricing structure around the euro, where twelve euros is. 800 Microsoft points. So they just kind of copied and pasted that over to America. So it's 800 Microsoft points, but it's $12, which is not equal. Which, listen, you know, European gamers get screwed all the time with companies doing that same thing. I, I think on this side of the ocean, we can take a $2 hit for the cause. Yeah, really. That's still a cheap game. Um, now, you're saying episode of content. Like, uh, did they say what kind of things we can expect, though? Like, how uh, often? No, just... In the previews I looked through, uh, they just said that the game is going to be released episodically. Hmm. I'd be all for that. As long as it, it's like, um, as long as it's still a continuous story that goes on and yeah. it's just you're buying different parts kind of thing, I'd still be, I'd be all right with that. That, Jesus, that sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, I'm, I, this game went from absolutely nowhere to right in the middle of my radar, literally overnight. Yeah. Huzzah! And we just died. I'm definitely picking it up. Definitely. God damn, that's got you really cool. Okay, uh, Joe, you wanted to talk about Asura's Wrath because we got a couple of more uh, videos, so some extra footage <laughs> of that, and you were pretty psyched about that game. Well, it, it just looks utterly, phenomenally, evenly interesting to me. Uh, Asura's Wrath, for those of you who don't know, uh, basically you, you take on the part of Asura, who was once the revered general of the gods who defeated him enemy known as Goma. Returning from the war, you get basically pinned, uh, framed for the Emperor's murder, uh, your wife and your wife gets murdered, your kid gets stolen from you, and then you wind up going to like a hibernation state. Uh, so it's a very, very anime-style storyline, nothing really you know, surprising there. But we finally got some video of the action, and as you can expect, it has a very Asian anime-style um, uh, sort of you know, environment where everything is just super bright and vibrant, super over the top. The characters are absolutely ridiculous. Um, all the villains are like huge or have some weird, like mechanical form on them. It's absolutely hysterical. Um, the, all the villains and monsters are very anime style too, which is hysterical too, because I'm waiting for tentacle monsters to make their appearance. <laughs> it's Please don't. It's going to happen. Um, the combat style looks like a combination of like Final Fantasy and Street Fighter almost, where you have these epic grand attacks with like these huge bursts of power, and then you have like the targeting reticle and like you know the the Hadouken punch and all that all sorts of awesome stuff there. Um, but the the one thing that I get right now is with all the trailers that are coming out. They're all in another language, so I have no clue what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. Like you have these like <laughs> epic drama moments. It's like I'm watching Telemundo, but I don't speak Spanish. It's like you know this this huge epic scene where this like girl's dying in his arms, and I have no clue what's going on. 
So yeah, well, there's there's lots there's lots of high Japanese drama fl- uh, flourishes in here. Uh, but yeah, no, this, I, I, I'm waiting for like an American release trailer to come out so I can actually get some dialogue and idea of what they're saying. Well, the, knowing what some of the story is about and, and then what we're seeing in terms of the, uh, like the gameplay and whatnot, it looks interesting as long as it doesn't go overboard. I don't want tentacle monsters. Okay. <laughs> Powers come out of the hand, not the crotch. All of those things are important. All right. As long as they don't go that route, then it has, has the potential to, to be something that's quite cool. I would be interested in playing it. As the show's resident expert on crazy Japanese shit, this game <laughs> is right up my alley. But uh, from what we're seeing, not just in these videos, but in previous ones where he was fighting some big dude with a 50-mile-long sword uh, on the moon with all 10 of his arms, I think this might be a little over the top even for me. And I'm the guy that liked Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving away from there, you wanted to talk about uh, Dark Meadow, Vince. Yeah, um, this is actually something that popped up a couple weeks ago, but uh, through various uh, things on the show. I'd forgotten about it, honestly. And uh, Dark Meadow uh, was an iOS game that came out uh, late last year. Really high production values, got pretty universally good scores. Um, A lot of people put it, you know, just a notch below Infinity Blade, which that's not a bad place to be. And they actually announced... um, they say they announced it during the uh, Spike VGAs, but I saw a small little mention of it, and then for two weeks I was Googling this thing every day and couldn't find it until now it has finally uh, it popped up a, a few weeks ago. And it's coming to Android, which, hooray, a big AAA title designed for a mobile platform coming to Android. It's what the platform has needed for well, always. Unfortunately, they're making some weird decisions here. Uh, The Android version of the game is, uh, as the developer Phosphor Games is calling it, is a deluxe edition uh, with enhanced graphics and enhanced physics in the game. And, okay, that's good. It's only playable on devices which have a Tegra 3 processor. And only one of those currently exists. That's the uh, Asus Transformer Prime. Which is super sexy. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I just bought, you know, my tablet middle of last year. It's got a Tegra 2 processor, runs really high-res games. I mean, I got Need for Speed on there. It looks awesome. I don't understand why they decided to make this deluxe edition coming out for hardware that nobody owns. I don't see why they couldn't have done a normal edition for people with Tegra 2 processors. Because the game itself looks really cool. This crazy horror game with this dark, twisted sense of humor. It's something I'd like to play, but... I, I just bought a $300 tablet six months ago. I don't want to buy another one just for this game. Well, you know what? I can tell you that it is good because I have been playing it on my my uh, my uh, iPad. And it is very friggin' cool. And the controls are, are slick. It's well done. It's got some really nice creepy kind of feels to it periodically. Um, it's it's very cool game. I don't see why... I mean, I get that they want to make it look even better. They want to make the sound even better and and the, the sure. gameplay. So I get that. But, I mean, I'm running it on my iPad, not iPad 2, and it's running really, really well. It should be able to run on an older Tegra system, no problems at all. Um, that said, of course, yeah. there are more Tegra 3 process, uh, tablets coming out soonish uh right now prime is is one of the only ones but there are some other ones that are very coming out very soon but then again 
I mean, you're still then putting out a game only that's for really limiting your market. Very, very, very. And right now, that's not what that tablet needs. The Android tablets need to have a ton of games that are open for everybody to get. They desperately need that to try to compete even marginally with the the Apple, the App Store. So this is disappointing because I know for a fact that a lot of people would really, really enjoy this game. Yeah, like there's a, a an app I have on my tablet. It's called the Tegra Zone, and it's a lot of games designed specifically for the Tegra 2. And those games are phenomenal, like great graphics, good gameplay. It's just you know, none of them quite have that draw that, you know, that big that big name that, you know, the iOS kind of needed with uh, Epic coming through with Infinity Blade. So it's, so far, it's, it, it, the, the possibility is there. Just nobody's grasping it. The hardware can definitely handle it. Yeah, no, I you're absolutely right. I actually did a lot of reading on this too because I, I was reading about app development and different things like that. And part of the problem right now is that there are not enough um, Android tablets on the market. And so there's not as much demand for various games and applications. And the developers who make those aren't making enough money. But we're seeing, mm-hmm. and now this is going back a little bit, we're seeing a lot more tablets on the market now that aren't just the iOS tablets. So we are at a point, where, or we will be very soon. Oh, damn near. I fell off the edge there, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. wow. <laughs> For folks who weren't aware, there's a heated game going on here. Um, there, there are more devices that are going to be coming out. I mean, you go into a Best Buy right now, and there are crap loads of Android tablets. And it was funny because when I was uh, out shopping with the wife for Christmas, we were at a Best Buy, and I noticed a ton of people looking at the Android tablets and very few at the iPad. Now, the iPad, of course, is still leading in terms of sales, but the interest is now there for, you know, Joe Blow consumer, not just Joe the tech consumer. And so... I think that's fantastic. They but they need to put these games out so that everybody can enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, 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 I think it's a huge mess up. Now, just to talk ever so briefly about some of the other hardware news, actually, as of late that we've found out, um, the the reviews are finally coming out now for uh, well, finally they're they're coming out now for the PS Vita <laughs> because uh, folks are starting to review the Japanese models, and so before the launch here in North America, and so we've gotten some reviews from various people as well, some people writing some interesting articles in terms of the sales reports, in terms of how it's doing or how poorly it's doing in sales in japan and this was very interesting because you're getting some um conflicting opinions from reviewers as you obviously would expect however a lot of the same things too and one of the the big things is just the cost is far too high especially when you're looking at the cost of the games and at the cost of that stupid proprietary memory card that is really going to piss off a lot of people and i like how they're we're finally seeing a lot of people also that are making the obvious comparison to smartphones and tablets in north america right now that are oh so popular with gaming and a lot of people are shifting away from handhelds like the ds and the uh, the, the the ps vita and are instead using their phones or tablets. And so when you're fighting against that, you want to go in aggressively. However, 
their terms for aggressively yeah, differ from ours. The yeah, they're aggressive is charging way too much. Justifiably, it looks fantastic. And some of the, the reviewers are saying how, again, the the wealth of different controls is something that, if put in the hands of good developers, will be good. And so it's it's just one of those... I'm at the point now, especially because of that damn memory card and the price of the games, where I'm going to be one of the ones holding off and waiting for the same price drop that we saw from Nintendo with the 3DS. That's exactly my thoughts on it, too. I waited how long to get a Nintendo 3DS, and I waited, and I waited, and it dropped. And I wound up picking up uh, the two games and the 3DS for 125 bucks. That's much better than spending 300-plus games. You know, and... That, it's one of those things where I want a Vita. I really, really do. So it looks like it has amazing potential, but I don't want to spend the money that they're going to be asking for it at first release, not for the cost of the, the memory card that you have to have, not for the cost of the games that are, you know, what you want to play it for. But it, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait. And it's kind of sad that it, the pricing and whatnot is holding people out. Cause I got to say, this is probably one of the best launch lineups I've seen out of any hardware in recent memory. I mean, they oh, got agreed. a strong lineup agreed. here. Because that's one of the things that's hurting it in Japan. Like, the Japanese launch lineup was, well, exactly what you would expect out of a normal launch lineup these days. So that's really hurting, especially it's coming out right after a slew of Mario and Monster Hunter titles for the, the handhelds, the Nintendo handhelds. So you're you're pretty much screwing yourself out of the market if you're going up against that. Yeah, it is a fantastic lineup. And when you are looking at what people are saying about Uncharted, people are really enjoying it. I would like to, to enjoy it, but I am not going to be enjoying it for that price. And it, it's too bad. But I'm, I'm really hoping that Sony will bow and drop the price. Soonish, but Sony has not typically bowed to consumerism and dropped the price very, yeah, very early. They tend to wait a bloody long time. Wow, we're losing how much money a month? Okay, maybe it's time we lower the price. I just got a 3DS for Christmas. I'm good. (laughs) Bastards, you both have one now. Jeez. And I got the Zelda version. Vince and I I can, uh, can be sword brothers there. I hate, yeah. You can cross them too. Yeah. All right. With that disgusting analogy, we're actually going to let you guys go. (laughs) Thanks for everybody who joined us in the chat room. And we hope to see you guys next week. And see, we're back on schedule now. So we will be back on Monday of next week. Of course, if you need to reach us, you can send an email to forthelore at gmail.com or on Twitter at forthelore. Thanks. We'll talk to you guys next week. Crossing swords. Really? That's what we needed to end on? I I didn't say crossing swords. No, I did. I take full responsibility. (laughs) That's not how the Wonder Twins do it. What game are we playing? That's a different type of ring. Oh, my God. You ever wondered what would happen if you took Dance Dance Revolution and combined it with an action-adventure RPG and then made it fully voice-acted at the same time? Well, Wonder No More, Sequence is exactly this. It's an innovative combination of rhythm, action, and role-playing game. Uh, You uh, play a character that wakes up in sort of a tower environment and have to fight your way back to freedom. A mysterious, a 
person over the intercom system teaches you how to do things like cast spells as well as defend yourself and regen mana, which gives you the basics on what you're going to do. You have three screens with to participate in. One is the defense screen, which in order to avoid incoming damage, you must follow the sequence exactly. Uh, you have your your screen to regen mana, which again, you must follow the sequence. Uh, but there is no penalty if you lose, aside from just not getting mana. And then your spell casting, which is your offensive tree. Uh, again, follow the directions, follow the pattern on whatever spell you pick. And then you may go ahead and cause damage to your opponent. Uh, basically, once you bring your opponent down to zero, you win. It's a one-way journey, uh, and it's surprisingly fully voice-acted for a game that's so cheap. Uh, while it's innovative, it is something that I think could have been done much better given a higher production cost and possibly a uh, more time in production. Uh, certain things do stand out, like the main character is a little bit annoying, um, as well as the protector, the person that's trying to help see him through, can get a little bit grating on your nerves sometimes. That said, the battle sequences are actually quite fun. You have to roll between each three uh, of the screens, the mana regen, the defense, and the attack, on the fly, uh, all while picking your uh, spells to cast, and it does cause a lot of strategy, combined with the rhythm that you have to follow. And then the action is, while not animated, still pretty fun because you do have to actually strategize. Uh, behind each battle is a piece of music uh, that you play to. And uh, the music is, at first, kind of cool. Uh, it's sort of a techno-hippie... Uh, best way I can phrase it is just entertaining music, um, but it seems to dive into a sort of repeated synth-filled electronica. Um, they do repeat themselves after a certain point, and I wonder if it is a function of uh, missing, uh, just a not enough time to put more in, or just not acquiring enough assets and the music in to put in. That said, I can honestly see with much more music, this becoming quite entertaining and something that would be uh, much, much more fun. That said, for the $3 or $4 the game costs on Steam, it is well worth every bit of your money. If you are a fan of DDR games, fan of action-adventure RPGs, or just looking for something a little bit different uh, than, the than the average or normal game, this is exactly for you. Uh, the fact that the entire thing is voice-acted on such a, a small indie game is also very cool. So... While it may not be Game of the Year, I applaud it for its innovation. I applaud it for the fact that it combines two seemingly very different uh, game genres into one uh, sort of well-blended uh, game. And I look forward to seeing what Sequence could do in the future, given more time, some critical review, and possibly more money. So if you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, for the couple dollars it costs on Steam, by all means... Pick up sequence. You should enjoy it for a little bit at least. I've never hidden my love of cards. Whether playing cards or trading card games, I basically love them all. 
Okay, well, not all, but damn near. Ever since acquiring my iPad, I've been anxiously awaiting ports of my favorite TCGs. Like many others, my favorite has long been Magic the Gathering, and though they created a wonderful PC and console port of their game, they've yet to enter the iOS scene. One TCG that has, however, is Ascension, Chronicle of the Godslayer. A new expansion, Return of the Fallen, which you can purchase in-game, was recently added to the game. It offers 65 new cards as well as several in-game options. Now, Ascension is a very different type of deck-building game. Instead of preparing a deck beforehand, you go into every game with a minimum number of cards, as does your opponent, and during the course of the game, you build your deck by adding cards to your discard pile, which you continually reshuffle back into the deck. Sound odd? It gets better. The layout of this game is different than most TCGs. There's a couple of communal areas where random cards are placed. From these locations, you can either gather cards, which provide more ruins, defeat monsters for honor, or you can quote-unquote purchase more powerful heroes and construct cards, which get placed into your discard pile to be used later. The game begins with a pool of honor, which each player taps from. Now, in the case of a two-player game, that honor pool sits at 60, for three players, 75, and for four, it's 90. During play, you receive five cards, and using cards which provide ruins or power, you either acquire new, stronger cards or defeat monsters in order to accumulate honor. The game is done once the honor pool is depleted, at which point you and your opponent or opponents tally up the honor you've received during play, as well as the total honor from the cards in your deck. The winner is obviously the one with the most honor. Herein lies one of my issues with Ascension. Each game is almost entirely luck-based. I mean, certainly there's skill and a certain tactical know-how that'll make a big difference. However, your deck creation is left entirely up to luck because you have no way of knowing what's going to show up in those communal areas. You've got no control over this. As a longtime Magic the Gathering player, this was a big hurdle for me to skip over. I love building decks. There's something very special about acquiring the exact cards that you want to build a killer deck, then testing it and refining over time. Seeing it come to life beautifully as it either obliterates or infuriates your opponents is just a thing of beauty. There's none of that in Ascension. That said, there is something else. There's a certain amount of cunning which is required to think quickly on your feet and make the most of what you get. There are no real advantages in the game either. You don't need to worry about someone else having an insanely powerful deck that they'll use to make you cry like a six-year-old boy who's lost his toy card during recess. I'm not saying that's happened, but... Everyone starts the game on equal footing, which means that so long as you grasp the concepts of the game and Lady Luck shines down on you from time to time, you've just as much chance of winning as the next guy. Now, to be fair, this is a mechanic of the trading card game and not a limitation of the iOS version. This facet of the game is faithfully recreated on iOS devices, though it's one which may put some players off. I mean, truth be told, it took me a while to get used to this, and it wasn't until I let go of the idea of what Ascension should be, in terms of more traditional and its deck building, that I learned to enjoy it for what it is. Like I said, the iOS development for this game is bang on. I like the manner in which you control the cards and the game. It's slick, very responsive, even on my original iPad, and sounds great. The iOS version also allows you to play not just against the AI, but also pass and play with someone nearby or online via multiplayer. Unfortunately, as is to be expected, there are very, very few online games. This means that if you're just searching for random games, you will be disappointed often. 
even if you luck into one and it looks like you're going to walk away with the win, the other player will often either forfeit or simply not reply forever and you're left with a very anticlimactic win. Now that said, if you know someone else with the game, online multiplayer is actually quite fun. It's well done. Now I do have a couple of issues with the game though. One is huge, whereas the other one could easily be rectified. We'll start with the easy fix, though for me at least, the impact on the game is quite large. You see, I kind of like game lore. I mean, hello, you listen to a podcast devoted specifically to lore, which I produce every week. It means a lot to me, and I know that it means a lot to many people. Even when playing games like this, lore is important. You don't have to look any further than a game like Puzzle Quest, which took traditional puzzle matching and made it matter. Unfortunately, this game doesn't have anything that matters. Why are we fighting? What's the backstory here? Tell me about this world through more than just a few lines of flavor text. The game as a whole does not feel as though it has one cohesive purpose or goal. It feels disjointed. What's needed in this iOS version is some of the background for the game. Get some stories in there that we can read and recognize the card characters from. Give us short stories or concept art. Give us creator commentaries which explain what's going on so that we feel ourselves getting immersed into that world. Unfortunately, in all the games that I played here, that never occurred once. Now, I realize this is tough when you're working with a trading card game. However, it certainly is possible. We've seen Magic the Gathering do it with epic tales which suck you into their world. Even without the novels, there is such cohesiveness with the Magic cards that you get a sense of the story therein. I don't believe Ascension has that. Now, lastly, and this is huge for a trading card game. The art on these cards is absolutely atrocious. Now, what's funny here is that having read many people's comments about the game and spoken to some myself, opinions regarding this appear to be at polar opposites. Some people absolutely love the art and some feel it's very weak. Unfortunately, I'm of the latter opinion. I have a huge appreciation for art. My wife's an artist, and we have a very nice art collection which we've accumulated over the years of other artists. I appreciate the hard work that goes into various pieces, and I've come to develop a critical eye able to gauge an artist's level of experience based on their work. That said, the art on these cards as a whole is very poor. Much of it resembles doodles that you'd find in the columns of a high school student's notepad. Hence, on some of the cards, it even appears like you can see the lines from a notepad. The proportions are so far off on some images that it's laughable, and for most, the images don't even look finished. The drawings appear to have been done in pencil crayons, which is simply not the medium for such a project. I mean, pencil crayons used to be thought of as a tool for younger artists, sure, however, that's simply not the, the case anymore. I've seen absolutely astounding work done with them, however, in each case, the work was created by educated artists who understood the medium and how to use it effectively. As not the case here, though once again, I don't believe that pencil crayons should have been used regardless. If the artist didn't want to create the work digitally, which would, let's be honest, have been the best, they should have considered watercolors, uh, whether traditional or even Chinese watercolors, which would have gone very well with some of the images and perhaps even pastels which would make the colors far more important. You can see how the artist worked over some of his images digitally, overly saturating the colors to produce brilliant cards. However, even these fail to, due to the technical problems with the actual art and subject matter. As a whole, there's only a couple of cards which I feel are passable, though as stated earlier, this is clearly subject, uh, subject to opinion. 
There are some who love the art, and, and that's great. Sadly, I'm not one of them. And unfortunately, due to the manner in which the cards are dealt, you often find yourself staring at the same cards over and over again. There's not a lot of variety, which adds to the sense of repetitiveness. Now, as a last suggestion, I believe the user interface is way too cluttered and busy. There's a reason that most art galleries use very plain paint or wallpaper. They want the art that hangs on their walls to stand out. When you look at Ascension, the background behind the cards is far too busy, which detracts from the cards. Now, of course, that said, as per my previous comments on the arts, some may see that as an act of mercy for the artist. Idiot to hit the loo five minutes ago. You might not be done. You. All right. It was a short one. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Had to be said. That'd be you, Joe. Bastard's gone. Skype crashed. Logging <laughs> back in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Apparently, we exceeded our quota of penis jokes. Hang up. He's already got his blizz. <laughs> That's why I hate him. <laughs> no other reason, just because you got your blizz. He's trying to bring him back in. <laughs> what part of okay, I'm back on? <laughs> Did I not understand? <laughs> Plus, I'm going around gathering all the datacrons. Spent a half hour on Tatooine riding a fucking balloon. So you're encouraging for a tank to be undergeared. I applaud your laziness. <laughs> Listen, let the record show that the one battle you fought the other night without me, you died. Wait, let the record show I was getting up to get my freaking ginger ale. Okay. <laughs> it's completely irrelevant. It's very, very irrelevant. You were supposed to be saving my ass while I was AFK. You did not. I was reading the day prod. You never said AFK. It was obvious from the motion of getting up to get the freaking ginger ale. I we're going to try Yeah, to I again. totally saw that. You should have. That's all I'm saying. Let's see if it stays stable this time, piece of fucking shit program. All right. Mr. Potty Mouth. You wonder why I never bring you in with the Skype con. And it crashed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. All right. Well. Uh, I finished um, finished Ord Mantell on my trooper. And even oh, though right. I should have seen that coming like a mile away, I was still all surprised and pissed off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's freaking... <laughs> like, um... I've seen enough movies to know what happens when the rookie joins yeah. the elite squad, and yet it completely blindsided me. Uh, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Where do I got to do? Oh, I can cash You're in killing those guys. No, I'm going to cash in the quest. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie Memento? Oh, jeez. More times than I can uh, recall. Okay. I, it just I reminded me of that scene where he kind of, you know, resets. Oh, yeah. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm running. I'm okay, running. why am I running? I'm chasing that guy. Nope, that nope. guy's chasing <laughs> me. Third <laughs> first off. You funny baloney, you. 
I love that guy. He's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I got my demon eyes. The only thing that I find funny is when they talk about, like, not this quest, but some of them, it's like, I'm giving you so much. This is going to make you rich beyond your dreams and blah, blah, blah. Or these are fantastic. 80 credits. 80 credits. <laughs> or you get, like, a freaking white something, you know? Like, it's just <laughs> this white vibro sword. It's just crap. And it's like, oh, God, come on, people. Like, the, uh, the one for Lord Gratham where you're working and you steal the um, the schematics for the cybertech that that heals over time mm -hmm. and um, and then you, it's supposed to be sold on like the black market kind of thing and make you filthy rich and you wind up getting <laughs> what 300 or some three or 400 credits I, I think it was even less and it's like <laughs> really this this is your definition of filthy rich well yeah okay we're gonna try Joe again. I guess when you're an indentured servitude to a Sith Lord, that's kind of your idea of filthy rich. Really? She was Hello? a scientist. Hello. All right. Apparently, five point oh seven beta works on my screen. Fuck. What's that? What? What? His icon has changed to a picture of his face. Yeah, I saw that too. It, it, that <laughs> that upward look of. <laughs> Goddamn! The upstairs neighbors are banging again. That's, that's what that looks like. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'll be quiet. All you need is a broom handle in your hand, <laughs> knocking on the ceiling. <laughs> I've done that before. I've done that before, where I've uh, I've accidentally interrupted my uh, my uh, my housemate on uh, one of his escapades. That was uh, rather entertaining for me, but not so for him. Tell Tart to have some cough medicine. No coughing during the podcast, Tart. Or giggling. We'll She's rolling her eyes right. at you. We'll have none of that nonsense <laughs> here. Yes, you can. That's the whole point of the cough medicine, Missy. Don't you backtalk me. Focus. Oh, look at me. All of a sudden, she's an Imperial agent. Big old level seven. She thinks she's dangerous. She's like 12 now, dude. Is she really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, are you planning on being very loud? If so, drop your volume down 5%. Is it better? Uh, well, from just that, it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any better? Wow, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Smartass. You friggin' smart. Okay, ass. drop down another 5%, and then we'll call it good. All right, and we are starting in now. So there you go. Shout out to Rokano. I'll put it in the outtakes. He said he listens to the show. 